0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the witnesses of God. The Holy Spirit never speaks of Himself. He always speaks of Jesus. Interesting, Jesus came and He spoke about the Father, not about Himself. And then when He left, He sent the Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus, not to Himself. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, whom proceeds from the Father, He will testify, listen, of Me.
1: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most people are familiar with John 3.16, For God so loved the world. But how is this truth represented? Today, as he digs deeper into the book of 1 John, Pastor Xavier reminds us that the truth of God's plan of salvation is represented by God Himself. Here he is with a Simple Truth study entitled, a threefold witness of God. Let's
0: listen. The plan of redemption was determined before the foundation of the world, as you know, but it was acted out on the stage of the world, openly, not in some dark, obscure corner. The evidence that is within the scriptures is overwhelming. John has made his transition from the theme of love to faith in the first five verses of this last chapter now John turns to the doctrine of the person of Jesus, focusing on the fact that he is the Messiah. He addresses now the doctrine of Jesus Christ, once again, as Messiah, from a different angle. He hits different truths from different angles. Often we do this to our children as we teach them. We say, this is this. And he's looking, thinking, and by the look on his face, we okay, now, look at it this way. This, And then all of a sudden, after four or five things, boom, the light bulb lights up, and you get it. And John hits it from every angle because he's writing against heresy. He wants to make sure that the readers understand what he is saying about Jesus Christ. There are many people in the church today who sit in churches who are good Bible-teaching churches, but they don't understand what the Scriptures say about Jesus Christ because they do not give themselves to the Word and to God. And often people sit under good teaching and it doesn't affect them because it's just information. Memorizing scripture, memorizing truth doesn't make you a Christian nor does it help you as a Christian. You have to understand it. You have to be able to wrestle with it like a mechanic. I memorize parts to an engine. He knows them. He knows how they work intricately. I don't. There are people who sit in churches who don't teach the Word of God and they equally are ignorant and in danger of the true gospel. And so each person has to look to their own responsibility that the Word of God would be deeply rooted in their heart and be made alive by the Spirit of God and that it transforms them from day to day, from glory to glory. I am the only one who can allow that. No one can do that for me. It's a personal choice. The failure to scripturally understand that Jesus is the Messiah can have eternal consequences. There is no room for error. And so John proceeds to give a threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah his entire earthly life. Listen to him in verse 6 through 8. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. And so, the threefold witness that Jesus was the Messiah... His entire earthly life is marked by this, the prophetic witness in verse 6, the problem witness, verse 7, and the permanent witness in verse 8. The prophetic witness comes first. Prophecy always proceeds. It's God speaking before it happens, so when it happens, you know it's God. (laughs) The only one that can tell the future. No one else can. Notice the identification of the person is unmistakable. This is he, and I'm going to switch it in its order, and I'm going to jump right to Jesus Christ. The personal pronoun he, as you know, is a reflexive pronoun. The pronoun looks back to the previous verse. He is the one who enables the believer to overcome the world. He just finished telling that. The one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is Jesus. The name that identifies this temporary but genuine humanity. Jehovah, Yahweh, is salvation. He is Jesus, the Son of God. At the end of verse 5, they're tied together. The personal title of the person confirms the identity of the God-man that John has been talking about. As you know, the word Christ is a title. It is the Messiah, the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew Mashiach. The anointed, Though the word is used for the anointing of kings, priests, and other things, the context always dictates whether it's a king or an object or the Messiah. The context will always dictate it. He's the one promised to redeem the world. From the very first prophecy of Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, to Isaiah the prophet, 7.14, Behold, a virgin shall bear a son. You should call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Prophecy. The anointed one would be the last Adam. The first Adam failed. The last Adam would not fail. The last Adam was a rebuke to the first Adam because he didn't have to fail. He chose to fail. But the last Adam would not fail. He would be the redeemer of mankind. Notice the incarnation of the person is undeniable. His identification, unmistakable. His incarnation, undeniable. Who came? The man is still the same person. The subject has not changed. The pronoun who speaks of Jesus, the Son of God. The person Jesus Christ is the Messiah. In the tenses in the Arist. It means, and it's indicative of, a historical fact. John is establishing to the believer that Jesus was a historical person at a set time, at a set place, for a set purpose. Regardless of what the Gnostics were teaching, they were wrong. And this tense indicates a historical reality, a fact. The mission of Jesus was that God would become incarnate. People have a difficult time with that. And that's why God puts Genesis 1-1 in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. When you can embrace that, you have no problem with God becoming man or anything else. He puts the most difficult verse of the entire Bible in the first verse of the Bible. <laughs> and everybody opens that baby when they go to a hotel. Everybody. What a great place to put verse 1. He existed from all eternity. He was in fellowship with the Father. He was a creator along with the Father. He emptied himself of his glory and took on the form of a servant, as Philippians 2 5 through 11 says. This is the person that he's talking about. Now notice the attestation of the person is now irrefutable. By water and blood. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. Irrefutable, this witness. Now, some... There are many interpretations. There's some weird ones. I'm not going to get into all of them. But some interpret water and blood here to mean uh, the account of the cross when blood and water came forth from the side of Jesus as the soldier pierced him in John 19 34 through 37. Augustine first came up with this, and many have embraced this uh, interpretation. There are problems with it. First of all, the order is reversed in the gospel it's blood and water and the water and blood was present at that point and we know when that happens as he pierced the heart it was a pericardium it's a sign of stress of a broken heart it just blows up and so water floods the chamber of the heart but that in and of itself did not prove that he was the son of God because that can happen to any person who would be crucified. Blood and water would come forth. Not only that, but the context is totally divorced from what John is saying. To jump to something like that is completely going off base. John is dealing with a specific witness that he's going to be pointing to. So to run all the way to John's gospel and put that, the order's reversed, and it doesn't really prove in and of itself that. Another interpretation is that water and blood means the two sacraments, baptism and communion for us. This would only witness the belief in the practice of ritual, not that Jesus is the Messiah. Calvin, um, Luther embraced this interpretation. Again the interpretation is foreign to the context and and a bit strained. And if there's one thing that you've learned when you come here, it's always context, context, context. You have to continue to look at what the book is about. Who is he speaking? Where does this section fit? And that's always an important principle for biblical interpretation. Whatever book you're studying now, though the word is referred to as water in John fifteen three and Ephesians five twenty six symbolically as a type, I don't believe either that John is referring to this because again, water would be foreign as the word of God to this epistle, and blood is the token of the new covenant. Again, there is nothing in the context as we can find in here to indicate this interpretation. Now, there is a fourth interpretation that agrees more with the nature of this epistle. And it really approaches it from two separate witnesses as proof. In other words, right here, John is saying that he came by water and blood. Two witnesses. They're separate. This is the context. Notice the threefold witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And this was the interpretation of the church father, Tertullian. And this is the most accepted interpretation by modern commentators. Now, the first is water, which speaks of our Lord's baptism the place and method by which Jesus was identified as the promised Messiah. John the Baptist, as you know, told the Pharisees in John one twenty three that he was not the Messiah, but the voice in the wilderness declaring, make straight the way of the Lord, and he quotes Isaiah. The very words of John, I'm not Elijah, I'm not that prophet in Matthew 18, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way. We are told that the Spirit descended in a bodily form upon Jesus when he came out of the water, and the Father spoke from heaven, affirming his sonship. In Matthew 3:17, Mark 1.11, and Luke 3.22. You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. The second witness is the blood which speaks of his death on the cross. This stays in context because says these things are witnesses about who he was, the Messiah, that he was man and God, that he was the anointed. So the baptism certainly is one, as we're seeing right now, but then the blood at the cross. As you know, blood speaks of death and death speaks of atonement in the Levitical law. God at school, the Jews for two thousand years. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you for an atonement for sin upon the altar, upon the horns of the altar. Leviticus seventeen eleven. We finished Hebrews nine twenty two, and it says that almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without blood, or the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The blood was given in Genesis 3.21 when God killed that little animal to purge the sin of Adam and even clothe them. There it began. John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Every Jew understood that, John 1.29. They saw a man laying his hands on the head of that animal. They saw a man taking that animal, pulling back his throat, cutting his throat. Blood going up, the animal falling, and that animal that was sinless, spotless in terms of physical blemish, took my place. I should have died for that sin. So when Jesus says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes the sins of the world, every Jew knew exactly they had a big picture in their mind. To them, it was forgiveness, fellowship with God, atonement. And so is baptism his death now notice the third witness is the spirit of truth and the reference to spirit is the holy spirit it's capitalized in, in your bible the third person of the godhead the phrase bears witness is the verb marturial in the present tense it's ongoing and appears five times between verse 6 and verse 10. Six times in the noun form, marturia, between 6 and 11. The word witness means, as you know, one who testifies. What she or he have heard, seen, or known by any other means. And it is the key word to this entire section from verse 6 down to 12. Witness, 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 testimony, testimony, testimony. It's the key word. You're in a courtroom here. The same word is used for a witness in the court of law. Notice the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, by the way. Elysia, which means what is true in any matter under consideration, be it regarding the things of God, man, or any other matter. This is the common and consistent nature of the Holy Spirit. As you know, Jesus spoke about the paraclete as the comforter of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, 16, the night before he was betrayed. He spent with his disciples preparing them for the Holy Spirit. He was going to leave. He was going to come, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit could not come until Jesus left. He says, it is absolutely necessary I leave. If I don't leave, he don't come. So the very evidence that they received the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost was the very ever that Jesus reached the throne of God. It was like a baton race, relay. In fact, in John 14, 16, he says, Now we'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he may abide with you forever. John 14, 26, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you in John 15:26 But when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth whom proceeds from the Father he will testify listen of me John 16:7 Nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I depart I will send him to you The Holy Spirit never speaks of himself. He always speaks of Jesus. He's the silent witness. Interesting, Jesus came and he spoke about the Father, not about himself. He pointed us to the Father. He came to bring us to the Father. And then when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus, not to himself. (laughs) He's the one that turns the lights on, as we'll see. So this threefold witness would discredit the heretical teaching of the Gnostics and confirm the gospel truth. They're witnesses in themselves, tokens of evidence. These first two witnesses declare that Jesus was the Son of God prior to his water baptism by John. He was God, man, Messiah. From the men, he was born, but the ministry. Of baptism was the initiation into his ministry, as we'll see. So this would prove that he's Messiah. The baptism of Jesus by John again mark the official beginning of his ministry. 30 years old, we are given his age is given to us in the gospel. Interesting. The priest would serve an apprenticeship from 25 to 30. At 30, they would be incorporated into the priesthood. Jesus met the requirements of the law. The blood marked the death and finished work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as a substitute and redeemer of mankind. So the teaching of the Gnostics that the anointing of deity came upon him at his baptism and left him and the cross prior to his death would be heresy very important. And so John hits it hard as he's coming to the end of his epistle. Not that he hasn't taught this from different perspective. He's cyclical. He keeps coming back to it. Here it is again. You remember as we studied Jeremiah regarding prophecy he said this in Jeremiah 25:12. God saying, then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon in that nation and the land of Chaldeans for their iniquity says the Lord and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Prophecy and the nature of prophecy is absolute accuracy. No room for error. Those of you who are mathematicians take just five, six prophecies and Count out the chance factor of them being fulfilled, and you will not have enough zeros at the end of one to put behind it. Let alone the 300 he fulfilled. (laughs) The chance factor of prophecy being fulfilled apart from God does not exist. And so the water baptism of Jesus was the crucial transition from the forerunner, John the Baptist. Who had broken the 400 years silence. For 400 years God had not spoken through a prophet. John the Baptist breaks the silence. And he marks the commencement of the ministry of Jesus Christ. As he baptizes him. The forerunner. The baptism is recorded by the way in all four gospels. As well as the witness of the spirit descending upon him. Matthew tells us John was hesitant. If you remember. But Jesus says permit it. To be so now, for this it is a fitting thing for us to fulfill all righteousness. It was what was prophesied. It was the right thing to do. Mark tells us, the father said, this is my beloved son in Mark 1.11. Luke points out that while Jesus was praying, the heavens opened up in Luke 3.21. John focuses on the identity of Jesus as the Lamb of God, the Messiah, by the descent of the Holy Spirit upon Him, according to the Father. He says, whom you see the Spirit descend, He is the Messiah, the Son of God. John 1, 29, 33 on.
1: Perfect. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths and witness of the Trinity. And there's still much more to come of today's study next time. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Or if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is The Threefold Witness of God. And you can pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're finished listening. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard Pasadena, California 91107 And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area What's the greatest witness of the Holy Spirit? That's coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths Hope you'll be back